1: friends, this is Wendy Scott. I want you to know about my personal friend, Mark Romanowski, and his locksmith and fire door inspection business. Mark decided to sponsor Season Watch to share the great joy he's experienced since he gave his life to Jesus. He accepted the Lord later in life and hopes that you won't wait to have the same peace, too. Mark's always saying, hey, man, you just need Jesus. And that's true. So if your commercial building has fire doors, contact Mark's fire door inspection services. He can inspect and certify all your fire doors and help fix the most common problems with fire marshal inspections. Like Jesus helps us pass God's inspection for heaven. You can find Mark's services and contact him. Info at San Diego Fire Door That's San Diego Fire Door Thank you and God bless.
0: Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor but a full-time truth professor. She believes the word of God is his perfect revelation including a young earth six-day creation as well as the global flood inundation and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation. The true church rapture comes pre tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic.
1: Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch, and we'll just start with prayer. Jesus, we just thank you that you are always with us. Thank you for your promise that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you are the king of our hearts the King of our future, Lord, and that we can trust in you, put all our hopes in you. And Lord, we ask you to just lead us, comfort us in the challenges we have today. And we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, there's a lot to pray for, I'll tell you that. And friends, as I've spoken before, I have kind of a fun theory about the timing of the rapture, so bear with me. I think it might happen during the Feast or Tabernacles, which, by the way, starts today, Saturday, September 30th. And it already started hours ago in Jerusalem, and it lasts all week until next Saturday, October 7th. And I know, like you do, that Jesus said, no man knows the day, or the hour specifically, And I certainly don't claim to, but it's fun. I like to watch the patterns and the seasons as Jesus instructed us to and to think about it so that I'm ready, right? And the reason I think it might be the Feast of Tabernacles, whether it's this year or next year or in years to come, is because, as I said before, there's only three Jewish feasts that God required all males to go to Jerusalem for. And the first two, which are Passover and the Feast of Weeks, were directly fulfilled by Jesus' atoning death, At the Passover and on the sending of the Holy Spirit five weeks later on Pentecost, on the very days prescribed by law. So it was a sign. And the Bible says that the feasts are a shadow of things to come. And we see that the Jews from around the Roman Empire had come to Jerusalem just as required by law. And they were able to witness Jesus' trial and his Sacrifice, just like the Passover lamb. And they were still in Jerusalem three days later when Jesus rose from the dead and they got to hear all the rumors. And he rose from the dead on the day of first fruits, which is another prescribed celebration. Cool, huh? And so then 50 days later on the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, uh, which celebrated the giving of the first covenant, interestingly, Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit. In that amazing display is a sign of the new covenant that was delivered and promised in Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one and Ezekiel thirty-six, twenty-six. So we see that the first two promises were fulfilled right before the eyes of the Jewish nation during the first two feasts of the year, where everyone is required to go up to Jerusalem. And so it makes sense that Jesus might rapture the church on the third required feast when Jerusalem is packed full of Jewish pilgrims. And interestingly, this year's attendance at the Western Wall before Yom Kippur, you can look it up, they're shoulder-to-shoulder crammed in there. And it was a record-breaking crowd this year before Yom Kippur, confessing their sins and seeking the Lord. And so at the end of this week, when Tabernacles begins, there will be another huge crowd of not only Jews, but Christians in attendance in Jerusalem. And for many years, now thousands of Christians have been coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in Israel, and the Feast of Tabernacles was instituted not only to commemorate when Israel lived in tents after the Exodus, so it's Tabernacles, but it also has a secondary significance as a celebration called the In Gathering, and it's to celebrate the end of the year's final harvest, right—the harvest of grain and all sorts of fruits and things. And so, just like Jesus rose from the grave on first fruits. We see another possible pattern, who knows, where the rapture of the church might fulfill this Jewish feast celebrating the ingathering of the harvest. It makes sense, doesn't it? And it could be very dramatic to see all those celebrating Christians disappear suddenly, boom, right in front of all the Jews gathering for the Feast of Tabernacles, and so we understand that the final fulfillment of Tabernacles will happen at the end of tribulation, when the Jews have fled from the Antichrist and live in the desert until Jesus's return in Tabernacles, just like the original rec- uh, Exodus. But since the feast has a dual celebration, and could also there could also be a dual fulfillment. In order to be assigned to the Jews at the beginning of the tribulation, remember the times of the Gentiles must come to an end. That would be a dramatic end right there as assigned to the Jews. Boom, you're on. The, the, The history, the prophecies return to the focus on the Jewish nation and the Jewish people, as he wants to bring them in to their promises uniquely, just the way Romans describes how they're blinded in part so that we can receive the promises. But that time will end, and the 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 times of the Gentiles, as Jesus said, would come to an end, and God's focus would return to Israel and to bringing in his promised people. And he said, Jesus said, you will no- not see me again until you say... Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and he knows that they will say that after the tribulation starts. And so we know from the prophecies throughout the Bible that the second half of the tribulation will bring Jacob's trouble as the Jews become a special focus, unfortunately, of the Antichrist's wrath. But we also know that many Jews will come to faith immediately after the rapture, as indicated by the 144,000 devoted Jewish evangelists described in Revelation 7 and 14, as well as descriptions in Joel and other places that the Lord will pour out his spirit on his people in these latter days. And many will dream dreams and get visions and will prophesy in the street and come to faith. And so we believe that the rapture will trigger that for many in Israel and so to go a step further with the fun, not that we know for sure, but it's fun to think about, the book of John actually records an occasion when Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Normally it just records uh, it records Hanukkah one time, and then it primarily records Passover. But when he went up to the Feast of Tabernacles, he did not initially go openly, uh, but on the last day of the feast, he made a dramatic proclamation. As we see in John 7, it says, on the last day, That great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out and and was like, wow, that's a surprise. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing would receive. And so we see this invitation from Jesus uh, to come to him and to receive eternal life in the Spirit right there on the last great day of the feast, as it's called. So wouldn't that be cool on that day if that happened? I'm just saying, if we think it's possible, we'll live differently, won't we? And that's the point. And we won't shirk from our responsibilities as watchmen on the wall. We will keep our heads up, eyes observing, as Jesus said in Luke 21. When you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. Verse 35, for it will come to pass... For this judgment will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And that's our hope. And so we warn others as we see the day approaching, right? Just like those chosen for Gideon's army, only 300 of the many, many thousands that had turned up to join Gideon's army to fight the invaders, only 300— we're ready for war according to God's assessment as they indicated by drinking from the spring with their eyes on the horizon, watching around them, looking around them. That's what we need to be doing. And friends, if you believe he could come at any time, you will look on the horizon and you will live like he could be here any day and hopefully will plant seeds in others so they can know him too before the time comes. That's our calling and all indication is that the time is. Is near. And so, friends, there's a lot of deception going on, just as the Bible warns concerning the last days, and it's going to get worse and worse. But today, I want to start talking about the worst kind of deception, and that comes from within the church, right? Satan, right? Satan sows into every organization, and he even sows into the church. And so, fasten your truth belts as today we begin to discuss how the Bible defends itself. Liberal theology is the enemy within the church. And one topic we've touched on before is all of the contradicting views swirling about the basic end times prophecies in the Bible. And most of these come from wolves in sheep's clothing teaching false interpretations of the Bible by leaving out not only key verses but whole sections and books of the Bible. They just want you to ignore them. And they select, hand-select little little verses to support their views and won't let you look at the others. And so they're counting on you being dazzled by their degrees and feeling too uneducated to read it and understand it yourself. This is a familiar theme. Worst of all, they're counting on a busy world being too distracted to verify these ideas. And they work hard to sell these lies, whether they truly believe them or not, I don't know. Frankly, liberal theology has been wearing away at the truth for a long time with Satan's original question to Eve, did God really say? And so friends, if you truly love Jesus, you'll want to know the truth for yourself because the Bible warns that heresy would enter the church in the last days along with doctrines of devils and that Satan's agents would spread lies and convince believers to doubt what's plainly written. And so we're going to start addressing these lies. Uh, I want to start with a quick review of the end times prophecies concerning the rapture. Satan wants to obscure the clear pattern of this promise, but it only takes a little rereading for yourself to verify that Jesus promised that he would preserve his faithful followers from the wrath to come. And for those of you who are not yet convinced that Jesus will take his true church to heaven before the seven-year tribulation judgment, then please listen to my earlier podcast episodes of Uh, Episode 17 through 20 on the rapture because the Bible clearly reveals that God's pattern of removing his faithful followers from the scene before he pours out his judgment on those who are disobeying. And so Jesus made this clear in his his description of the tribulation in both Matthew 24 and 17 when he said that those days will be like the days of Noah— and of Lot, so Luke 17 records, starting in 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, is also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all even so will it be in the day when the son of man is revealed in that day he was on the housetop let him not take not go into his house remember lot's wife for whosoever shall save his life will lose it and whoever will lose his life will preserve it i tell you in that night there will be two men in one bed one will be taken the other will be left two women will be grinding together one will be taken the other will be left Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, and the other left. So we see clear patterns here uh, from Jesus about what to expect in the last days. First of all, just like Noah, just like Lot— God preserved his chosen people, those who are faithful to him. He preserved them. He did not destroy the earth until Noah and his family were safe in the ark. He provided a way. He did not destroy Sodom until Lot was safely out of the city. They actually grabbed him by the hand and took him out. And Jesus says, just like in those days, and just like in those days, everybody thinks everything's normal. Everything will go on as from the beginning. They're eating and drinking. Everyone's like, what's the big deal? You Christians are stirring things up. But he says it'll be just like those days, and it'll come as a snare upon the whole earth. They won't know it. They won't see it coming the way that we will. And so the other uh, scripture is that there will be taken. One will be taken, the other will be left. And this word taken, as we've said before, means received to self. It's the same Greek word, just as Jesus promised in John fourteen 2, 3. In uh, two, two, three. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus said he will prepare a dwelling place for us in his father's house. That's in heaven. And he will come and receive us and bring us there. This is not when we die. He says he's going to come and receive us again. It's the same word, receive us, as used. One will be received and the other will be left. It's the same word, taken to self. And so the only interpretation of the promised rapture of the church described in more detail by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. So we understand 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the air in the Lord, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's when he takes us to his father's house. So we meet him in the air, he takes us to the father's house. And as we've said before, that word translated into English as caught up is the Greek word harpazo. But it is Latin, the Latin translation that gives us our current popular term, which is the rapture. But it's the same word. And so we see a clear description of this prophesied event. Prior to God's judgment, his church will be caught up into the heavens. And we will observe the earthly events of the seven-year tribulation from heaven, as described in Revelations chapters 4 on is the description of what we observe while in heaven after we're, um, he said to John at the beginning of chapter 4, come up hither, and that's like a simulated rapture, I guess. And we will be part of a lamb's marriage supper as revealed in Revelation 19. Then we will return with Jesus on white horses to defeat the armies of the earth. And uh, actually, he does the defeating. We're just going to watch it and cheer him on. And then Jesus will set up his millennial reign through with those who remain alive on the earth. And we will rule with him over those who remain alive after the tribulation for 1,000 years. And so the end times and the rapture prophecies can be interpreted no other way without ignoring dozens of descriptions, prophecies, patterns in the Bible, most of which Jesus himself described. And so, I mean, if we're going to follow Jesus, should we not ignore anything? No, of course, we don't want to ignore anything, especially the book of Revelation. And for those of you who have not explored Revelation, because perhaps teachers or others have told you not to, you should consider these facts. First of all, it's the only book in the New Testament that promises blessings as described at the beginning of Revelation chapter 1 3 it says blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near interesting right Uh, secondly it's the only book in the new testament that curses those who change it as warned at the end of revelation in chapter 22 starting verse 18 For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. That's how serious it is, from the holy city and from the things which were written in this book. And so we want to guard the book of Revelation and read it. And uh, most of all, uh, and number three, it's the only book in the New Testament that records the prophetic revelation directly from God is given through Jesus for the church. And this is just like Old Testament prophecies who were charged in a vision uh, saying things like the word of the Lord came unto me saying, right? So we see a similar pattern and it's the only New Testament book that has this type of pattern, and it's evident throughout the book. But it begins in chapter 1, just like those Old Testament prophetic books. It starts, Revelation 1, one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Um, and then in verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. And then verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And so, friends, we must know these things. This is the real word of God directly. Why would we cut them out? And we must pray and ask for understanding. We must read and study God's word, the whole thing, the whole counsel of God, including revelation, and not let lies keep us from finding out for ourselves these things that are are the issues of life. And we find many have tried to keep Christians from knowing the word for themselves, but it's all there. It's all there for us to read. This is not China or Afghanistan or North Korea where reading or even having a Bible could cost you your life at least not yet. And so reading the Bible ourselves is the only protection we have from the lies propagated by liberal theology, which can rest or twist the words and pull out things and put them together without context. And so um, these these theologies are pumped out by theological seminaries that lead most of our current churches. And so, friends, just as the communist-leading liberals, forgive me, Uh, have taken over our schools and universities, so have they infiltrated and taken over seminaries. And you must be on guard. And it's been happening for a long time now. The worst problem is that they train these students to accept the lies about the Bible. They train them, and they, they gain their trust. And so these new theologians go out and they propagate these views to their congregations, whether they are just led astray and repeating it, we don't know. But we have to guard against them. And so liberal theology is responsible for many churches to doubt the very clear biblical teachings and to stumble Christians in their faith and to question the Bible on important topics, central topics like the literal six-day creation. Most churches do not believe that the beginning of the book, the account of the six-day creation, most do not believe it's true. That's insane. Why would you... Why would you throw that out? Why would you disbelieve it? Or a young earth creation that, if you add it up, the earth's only about 6,000 years old. Most churches don't believe that because of liberal theology. They also doubt Noah and the global flood, Lot and Sodom, the Exodus miracles, including crossing the Red Sea. I want to challenge you. Get your Bible out and look to see if there's a map in the back that shows the Exodus. I will guarantee it. Your Exodus map does not show crossing the Red Sea. It shows them going around through a little swamp, and that's liberal theology. And they reprint them in every Bible. And so if you look, you go, oh, I wonder what the Exodus looks like. It doesn't even fit the description in the Bible. It's a lie that they reprint in every single Bible. It's right there so these this theology is entrenched, and we have to challenge it by reading the bible and They also doubt they question whether Moses even wrote the first five books during his lifetime. They say it's all pieced together because they're smarter than we are, and that Um, Jonah and the whale. They doubt Jonah and the whale. They say it's an allegory, and they doubt whether Daniel was a book of prophecy, but they suggest that it really was written hundreds of years after it claims to be written. So now you can't even believe these prophecies. Why? Because they were too accurate. So obviously, if they're propagating this idea, then they doubt that God can do anything. And they doubt whether Mary was really a virgin. They raise questions about that. Or whether Jesus really fed the 5,000 or the 4,000. You can they, they challenge that. And they raise doubts about Jesus in many ways. The miracles he did, his preaching about hell, they challenge that or they leave it out. His claim that he is the only way to heaven. And whether even he died and rose again— And they challenge all of his prophecies about the future. You don't need to read them, or we'll tell you what they mean. They even challenge what he said. I'm going to tell you, there's a new controversy, watch out for it, about John 3.16. They say he didn't really say it. Now, how did they come up with that 2,000 years later? And there's no basis for it. They're trying to take away and steal the thunder of the most powerful scripture used to share the gospel, and that's Satan. Friends, don't trust it. And they challenge most prophecies in the Bible about the end times, and trust me, if they can't get the beginning right, they're going to get the end wrong. They ignore warnings about—they ignore and warn away from reading the prophetic sections of the book, like the entire book of Revelation, as we've said. And so that sounds rational to you, not to read certain parts or to ignore it or not to believe what God has said or what the clear words are. They're casting doubt on whether God can keep his word. And the book of Revelation itself instructs us to read it and not to change it. So imagine how angry Jesus will be when he comes back and takes them to task for derailing so many because they're religious elite, just like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not want to enter in yourselves, and those who were entering you hindered. And we see this over and over again because Satan can't let it go. And I urge you to start checking it out for yourself, reading the Bible for yourself. And so, friends, don't trust a human's reinterpretation of the Bible. If they're trying to explain to you why it doesn't mean what it says, run away. Read it for yourself. The Bible defends itself against all assaults. And so we're going to start looking at how to find the evidence in the Bible so you can defend God's Word against these attacks and know in your own mind that these things are trustworthy and true. You can trust them. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus today, please, there's not much time left. Today could be the day. So be sure to accept his gift of eternal life. And until next time, friends, God bless you all.
0: Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him. Her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man.